Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Power Your Life Radio Show with host and success doc Joanne White. Author, speaker, certified coach, and energy master, Doc White gets to the heart of what matters most. She features guests and experts to help you consciously create more success, health, and wellness in every area of your life, work, and relationships. They'll share their success stories, wisdom, and know-how to help you shine more light onto your day and into your life. Power your life right now. Here's Joanne White. Hello, everyone, and thanks for joining us on Power Your Life, and I'm Dr. Joanne White. It is always a pleasure to be here. And I have today a very important guest who's going to help us navigate through this very interesting, crazy kind of time, and we need to figure out how to get through this with love and respect and caring for others. And I'm talking about... Linda Carroll, who's an author, a marriage counselor, and family therapist, as well as a life coach. And she looks outside the box for approaches to healing. Linda holds a deep-seated certainty that love can set us free once we discover how to remove the obstacles that stand in its way. Linda has authored two books on relationships, Love Cycles, excuse me, The Five Essential Stages of Lasting Love, published by New World Library, and Linda's latest book, Love Skills, which I have, thank you, a companion book to Love Cycles, has recently been published by New World Library as well. Welcome, Linda Carroll. How are you? Hi, I'm so glad to be here. It's we need wonderful. to be talking about this right now, don't we? Yes, yes we do, and it's perfect timing for, for having you on the show. So, firstly, it was something that you said that really caught my eye, and that is that even though you've you've had such extensive training and working as a marriage counselor and relationship counselor, the greatest understanding and gift and knowledge that you've taken away for to help couples and others has come from your own personal experience, your own marriage. Can you share that with our listeners? Well, yes, I think for one thing it has gave me it's given me a lot of both humility and certainty that what I'm teaching people works. And the humility is how hard it is that you don't just take a class or read a book or make an intention and then you go up and do a relationship in a totally different way. The the skills are hard to they're really hard to to learn, especially when we're under stress. And so that so that first part is I I really come to this work pretty humbly, you know, knowing that um, knowing that 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 it takes a lot of grit, and that we have to forgive ourselves again and again for doing it wrong. And the second thing, are you, are you there? I'm listening. Hi. Oh, okay. Yes. And the second thing uh, that I that I I know that it works. Because I I know that that if that the more that I practice these skills that I teach, and the more that I my husband practices them, that the better we get. Not perfect, and you know you go into you get your relationship to a place where it feels really good, 
and everything is is working between you and then there's a pandemic and suddenly you're with each other 24/7 and new stresses come in we always have new challenges and when those new challenges come we revert to old ways of reacting but we can bring you know I think I I think it's so very important too because even though like you said and I love the fact that you that you are bringing humility into the understanding of because it's not you know relationships are not a science and we really we grow as human beings and we also grow in a relationship and that's so very important so I I know that this time is so difficult for people. You and I were talking earlier, and I said some some couples that I work with and individuals that I work with, and because, like you said, we were staying at home constantly with people. And, and let's talk about that initially. How can people, you said that you had some techniques that really can work for people during this time. So I, I, one person said to me last actually about three weeks ago, I'm going out of my mind. I don't know what I'm going to be doing with my kids and my husband. It's like either I run away or I do something horrible. Now, that's pretty extreme. So give us some, give us a couple of tips. <laughs> well, okay. I, so one, of the, one thing is giving, your, giving the other person space to be different. We have different ways we're managing stress. We don't all manage stress the same way. For example, one person wants to see the news all the time, and they want to look it up. They want to watch it on TV, and often they're with somebody who doesn't want to hear about it, doesn't want to know. I hear this with people all the time. I, you know, I've taken a break from news, one person says, and the other person says, I can't get enough. When I hear it, I get reassured. That, we're, that the world is still here. When my partner hears it, the news, I feel the opposite. I feel stressed out. So giving each other space to be different is really important, and that's a hard skill to do because we're under stress. Isn't so it important? The, it's, go ahead. Well, it, well, I was just going to say another part of that is that one person may be looking at what's going on in the world, like, you know, not just COVID, but all the, the unrest that's happened and, and the last month especially, and they may see it as a sign that actually things have to get worse before they get better and it's good news. Their partner may see it as a sign that everything is going to get worse and worse and worse, and we can't make each other think of it differently. We've got to give space for the other person to be able to feel bad about what's going on or to feel optimistic and not try to make one of us right or one of us wrong. You know, I think that's so important. And and I'm also wondering, well, how do you give someone, if you don't know where the person is coming from, how do you give someone space? Don't you need to talk about it first to be able to get a sense and determination of where you're coming from like for me I do watch news but if I'm if I'm watching too much of it it's like you said it's stressing me out and I need to do something different so how do we communicate the differences that we have with the other person our partner well I think maybe we start with the within when we're not upset or when we're not upset at how they're doing things differently that's not the time to start a conversation 
But when things are going well, if you're, when you're on a walk together and you know, when you're sitting down getting ready to have dinner together and, and things are feeling good between you, a good conversation to have is always how do we manage something when, when we're not in this kind of a space. When I'm feeling, often we talk about what's wrong when it's wrong. Often we talk about what's not working in the middle of those times when the relationship doesn't feel like it is working. And, and what I'm suggesting is we wait for a different time. When things are going well between you and your partner, that's the time to say, this feels so good. I'm just loving being with you today. And I'm wondering if we can talk about what happens when the inevitable moment, when we suddenly clash against each other, what ideas do you have for how we get through that differently? Does that make sense for how we do Actually, this? Actually, that that's, so, yes, that's so very important because when people are angry and they're lashing out at one another, and as you said, Linda, that's when everything becomes so explosive and then then it's so difficult to get to the healing aspect of it. So I love your advice. Don't do it in calm moments when you're caring about each other, really able to communicate so that you can get to that level during the stress times, the the times when you're kind of at one another and, and be able to handle it so appropriately. That is very sound advice that Everybody, including me, <laughs> need to polish. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's so important. Usually, and sometimes people get into this stuck kind of place where when things are going well, I don't want to bring up anything that could make trouble. And so what we do is we wait till the trouble and then bring it up. And, of course, when we're feeling stressed, we're not open to talking about anything. We're in protective mode. You know, our bodies are on alert. We call that being flooded with chemicals of fight or flight or freeze or fold. So those are not the times that we can talk rationally, even though we may think we're being rational. So that's one thing. And I think another thing is, which is sort of the opposite, is paying attention to what's working. Paying attention to what is working, even when it feels like nothing else is. You can find one thing. You can find one thing that feels good. Um, and I think that, the, the, that, that there always is something to appreciate. You know, I get, just appreciating that there's a person who's having a hard time who's with you. Um, and, you know, I sometimes, sometimes my husband and I will joke about, we'll make it into a joke like, well, thanks for, the, you made a good dinner. <laughs> and he's, he's doing all the cooking right now. And it's, but it's sort of, we roll our eyes in humor, you know, I guess that's a another thing I'd say is you if work on if you have good humor between you, you've really got a lot going for you because we've got to be able to laugh at ourselves in this situation that we're in. Introverts and extroverts, there's another trouble. Some people they want connection all the time. And they're in the usual ways we get connection are not available to a lot of us. Having coffee with our friends, walking with our friends, going away with our friends. And so if you're an introvert and you're living with an extrovert and you've got a pretty good relationship, you probably have it worked out how, how the introvert gets to go away and take time alone. The extrovert has all these ways that they connect with people, but you're locked in a house together. Then what do you do? And I think that that is something that is just ongoing where how do we, 
How do we do this? And and again, it's a conversation. And the conversation is, I I always want connection, and I know that you like to have your space. How can we work this out in a way that's really honoring each other? You know, I have a client, and he, it's a man who is the introvert. He made a little space there in a very small condo back east. He made a space in the closet, cleared out the whole inside of a closet, put a little light in there, put a little pillow in there, and said, I'm going to go in the closet now. And they made a deal. His partner said, I won't bother you when you're in the closet. And it was just sort of a physical barricade that said, I've just got to go in. I can't talk now. It's not against you. So he went off into his closet. So, you know, and, and they could, they laughed about it on, on the um, call that we had. I thought it was actually very clever. Because in a very small place, where do you get away? Now, you know, the so challenge, have, too, is that is that many people have, have children home of different ages, and, and uh, there they are. Yes. And how do you create that kind of space? Because one of my clients said, we're constantly on top of one another. There isn't enough room in this house for 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 school and for what my husband wants to do and what I want to do. And and we're not only stepping on and it wasn't literal. We're not only stepping on people's toes, but we we can't. We, we're getting to the point where we don't even want to look at each other. So what do you do with that? Yeah, yeah. I think. Well, I again, I think humor helps. <laughs> In those times, you know, because the, to understand that we all need to have a lot of mercy with ourselves. This is hard. And, and, and when you have kids at home, that's really, really hard. Um, giving each other breaks is important. You know, it's it giving, spelling each other so that one person can get away from the kids for a little bit of time. And, of course, and it depends on the kids' ages. I mean, certainly teaching your kids that you need to have time away from them is really important too. It's a life skill to really respect that boundary with people. But some kids are too, they're too young. So that's hard. But giving, giving each other space, just giving each other an hour a day break is so important where you can just go do anything you want to just get away. So you can, because I think about, about that as that getaway time is restoring yourself. You know, it's growing it's 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 sort of a reminder of this is who I am in there, because when we're giving ourselves away all day to other people, we forget who's in there. So I think that's a a really important part, and knowing this isn't going to go on forever. Yeah, having that that right? sense, I you know I, I think that space is so important, and I want to also add to that you need to, especially with with some families that have some older children. They need space too, so there needs to be a way yes. to kind of negotiate that. Because, um, yeah, we all, you know, that's that's something like you said. We need that to for for self restoration to restore to, to feel renewed and whatever. And if people are on top of one another physically, in in a house, even a smaller space, they need to be able to honor giving one another time, even. If you're a kid, they, that's important too. You talk about something that I think is really in, well. I think everything you're doing is interesting, but but you talk about that there are magic words in a relationship, and and one of my one was somebody that that was reading that was saying, 
wow, what what kind of magic words would work in my relationship? There's no magic. <laughs> so can you help us out here? Yes, if I if I could give a gift to people, most of all, the people that I work with, the couples that I work with, and I've been doing this about 38 years. I you know, a lot of it is skilled is teaching skills. The gift I would give is the gift of really knowing how to listen, really mm. learning how to listen to another person. Because what we hear often is not what they say or mean. We hear our story. So if, I, if my partner is an introvert and I say, what, what's going on? And he says, I just need to get away from you or I just need to get away. What I might hear in that is, I don't love you. I don't care about you. I wish we weren't together. But that's not what he's meaning. And so the gift of listening means that I can bring in my three magic words. And I say, well, what's going on? And he says, I just need to be by myself. Now, my story may be, that's because he doesn't care about me. I'm boring. He doesn't like me. But if I say the three magic words, which are, tell me more. Tell me Mm. more about what you mean when you say I've got to get away. He might say something like, you know, I just know that if, that I'm a person who really needs to have time alone. And it's not about you. It's just that's where I hear my thoughts. That's where I calm myself down. And that is where I get restored so I can come back to you. When I say tell me more, what it means is that I am putting away my thoughts about what's going on my judgments about what's going on, my fears about what's going on. In other words, my story about what's happening to you gets put aside. And when I say, tell me more, I'm tuning into what your truth is, what your reality is. And that is a whole, so if you have kids, we let's go back to that. My partner says, the kids are driving me crazy today. I think I know what that means. Because to me, that might mean that they're screaming. And um, and and they're making a lot of noise. But my partner might not pay, might not be bothered by the noise. What what they might mean is they're driving me crazy because I really want to connect and they're not connecting, or they're driving me crazy because I want to teach them how to make a souffle and they're not listening. So it's a totally different story. And if I don't listen, I make it about me. Tell me more makes it about you. You know, that's beautiful, and, and many people truly don't do that because, like you said, they're, they're in their own space. Their their response or their listening is about what's going on in them, and they need to, to actually, like you said, be there and ask, ask those three magic words so that the other yeah. person can respond. Now, I have a question to that, though. What do you do when you have up to – Two people, they're in a relationship, marriage, whatever, and one is non-communicative. So that person, whether it's a female or a male, shuts down. How do you get to that place of tell me more when more isn't forthcoming? Uh, so I wonder what you mean by non-communicative. Communicative. What 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 does that mean? It means that sometimes in a relate when two people are upset or whatever are talking 
and one person wants more information because maybe at this point it's a little bit heightened anyway in terms of their interaction and the other person one person wants more wants to wants to understand more and the other person is not talking about it how do you re- how do you but get that, the resolution that is communicative okay that's communicative that is being communicative though and the communication is, I don't want to talk about, you know, one of the things that my husband said to me once, I thought this was so great. He said, you know, when we argue, you gain words, I lose words. He said, your IQ goes up and mine goes down. And I don't like to talk with you. I don't like to argue with you because you always win the argument because you know how to use words better than I do. Boy, that was a revelation to me. I never thought about that. I thought that he was going silent to punish me or to be powerful, but actually it was because he was overwhelmed with all of my words. It's true, and I'm a therapist, and I'm good with words, so we'd start talking about a trouble, and I'd say, well, you know, in 1982, in February, you did this, and he would just go blank. He wouldn't know what to do. So I was in understanding his what I would call non-communicativeness as a way of sort of being, you know, of... um it was a, like a power play, or it was a rejection, but it was actually because he was so vulnerable and he didn't have language. He felt like he was three. And he, when he said that to me, it changed everything that I felt. I suddenly felt empathetic, and I decided I needed to back off more and give him a chance to talk because he's not me. That's the big gift of the tell me more three magic words is learning that our partner is not us. And what they say and what they do doesn't have the same meaning as it would if we were the ones or said or did it. But we've got to find out who they are. Yeah, that's so important because we look at them through through our eyes and how we would react, how we would respond, what we would do. And like you said, Linda, they're not us. And that's so important. And if you really care about the other person, be willing to like you have with your husband and listen and see and know who they are. That's beautiful. So you and your husband have done a lot of workshops and seminars together. How does that work? Well, it it's, it's worked well and not well. You know, he's a veterinarian. He's retired now, but he was a veterinarian for 50 years. And he came into my world and he and I worked together. We did so much training because the 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 thing that happened for us was that we really had power struggles, terrible power struggles. We had two things. We had deep commitment and big trouble. And the deep commitment was we're going to do something different with this relationship. We don't know how. So we both went into trainings with the the people that we could find who we thought knew the most about relationships. And he came into my world and we started teaching classes. We did that for 20 years. But through that time, it got cleared. I mean, he did it. We did it well, sometimes not so well, sometimes really well. But we came to the end of wanting to work together because we would get into such difficult situations where I, you know, he was not a natural therapist and I wanted him to be. And he sort of, he, we would finish a workshop and I'd want to talk about it all weekend and he'd want to get out of the house and go on a bike ride. Um, so we, we have friends that we work with and they continue to work with me and he would go, we'd go out to dinner together and he'd listen, but he just said, you know, I loved doing it. 
and I don't want to do it anymore. And it was really a good time for us to move apart in working together. So it worked well, and it taught us something about the trouble of working together and how to also have patience for somebody who's very different than you. So um, from that came my books. You know, from that came my my Love Cycles, my first book, which was sort of a a theoretical book about the stages of relationship. The second book, Love Skills, was going to be a book that was really about the skills that we taught in our classes to people. But actually, when I started writing that book, something else happened. And writers are going to really know what I mean. It took off in its own direction. For one Mm -hmm. thing, a lot of times when when I would write, I would always talk about examples, and I would say Fred and Mary were in my office. But as I was writing Love Skills, I thought, why am I talking about Fred and Mary? My relationship is so filled with great examples of doing things wrong and forgiving each other and going back again and again, and I began to write about my own relationship. And so the book is very self-disclosive and really tells about how I learned in the real way about these skills, which was practicing them over and over again in, in very difficult situations, partner. And sometimes it's very funny. A lot of people have written me about, you know, they just love reading it because it makes them feel normal. And sometimes books are, are, that are written by therapists can feel like they've arrived somehow. But, you know, the human condition is not one of arrival. It's one of working on it all the time. So that was a big you know, I love, question, wasn't it? <laughs> no, that's, I love it. You and, and I want you to talk a little bit about stages because many people don't understand that there are stages to love and perhaps if they understood that, they could see their own kind of evolution. And again, it's not perfect. Like you said, there's continuous working on relationships, including working on ourselves. So can you outline a little bit for our listeners, Linda, the, some of the, the, I think there are five stages that, that people are going through in a relationship? Yeah, I think, and I think we go through them. I mean, we don't just get to one stage and then we stop and then we're at the next one. I, but they're, they're going on all the time. People can be in different stages than one another. But usually the first stage I call the merge is when we meet somebody and we fall in love. And that stage is hormo- it's, it's mediated by chemicals, by changes in the brain, and that's the stage where everything's wonderful. In fact, I, I remember when I was in that first stage, I said to my then, par- my then partner, I would love to be on a desert island with you, just quarantined. And 35 <laughs> years later, here we are. <laughs> oh my gosh! I said that we we laughed about that. Like he said, did you really say you wanted this? I said that was that was when we were in the first stage. Everything was wonderful, you know. I th- it, I, I didn't think if you clear your throat one more time, I'll scream. I thought, isn't it wonderful how he clears his throat? I mean, those everything gets sort of romanticized, doesn't it, in that first stage? Because it's yeah. Cupid's arrow. And we know that there's brain changes, and we know that there's sort of a halo around the other person. And that that and that that lasts anywhere from three years the first time we fall in love to diminishing returns. The second stage is when we begin to realize. We some people call that the power struggle. When we and I call it doubt. And when we begin to think, is this really the right person? Or all the things we start to find the annoying parts 
of the things we fell in love with. So what was so great about you being predictable suddenly feels rigid, or which was so romantic about how spontaneous you are, now I start to see that as impulsivity. Or here's one, how generous you are with money. Suddenly we're sharing a checkbook, and I don't, I'm not so enamored about how you give money to everybody on the street. So it's, we start to move into the power struggle, which is a normal stage. In that, in that power struggle, there's some hard moves, and what I call the infinity loop. And the, 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 those power struggles that seem to go on and on, they come from nowhere, and they don't seem to have an end. They're, they're infinity. They go on forever, and they seem to be often about small things, but then suddenly we're in the hole. And people stay in that, that I call disillusionment. It's the opposite of enchantment. When we're first enchanted, the, the, the other person can't do anything wrong. When we're in disenchantment, they can't do anything right. And that's where people have hard moves, hurt each other, you know, fight in, in some dirty fighting. Affairs can happen in that stage. Most often that's when they do happen. And out of that comes the fourth stage, which is we've got to do something about this. This isn't okay to live in this way. Or I've lost your, my connection to you. Where did you go? And from that, people will either split up. They will go into parallel lives where they kind of give up and just kind of live together as roommates. Or they say, let's figure out what's going on. Let's get some help. Let's understand this. And as, as they do, you know, one of the things I say over and over is love is a feeling and a good relationship is a set of skills. And in this fourth stage, people say, let's learn the skills that most of us didn't learn at junior high. What is it that really makes relationship thrive? Because we live in such a great time. We live in a time where we really know that there are, there's some science to love. We know generosity is the most important quality in a relationship and that people can learn to be more generous. We know that there's ways of approaching conflict that work better than other ways. Learning those skills for love, like we do to play golf, like we do for a relationship, like we do for our computer, learning those skills is what makes the difference between a relationship that dives and one that thrives. And the fifth stage, if when we work on those skills, is wholehearted wholehearted self and wholehearted love. And it's not that we don't fall into the old traps and the old troubles, but we know how to get out of those much more quickly when we have learned how to be wholehearted within ourselves. Do those stages make sense to you? Do they fit with your experience? They definitely do. And and what's important, as you said, Linda, is that it's not like one stage is, is, one stage is over and then we're in the next one. We can probably be going back and forth and if we're identifying and realizing like you said what those stages are and and with a willingness to work on them together then then that's part of the solution you also talk about a pause in a relationship can you share with our listeners what that means a pause in a relationship well a pause you know if you go to a mindfulness retreat, and I have a lot, I, I teach a lot about using mindfulness in a relationship. When you go into a mindfulness retreat, one of the things that often happens is that they will ring a bell during the day at different times, and what you're expected to do is stop whatever you're doing, close your eyes, take a breath, take a pause, 
what's going on with me right now? What am I feeling? What am I thinking? And to get yourself rebalanced. And the power of the pause is so important throughout our life in every part of our relationship. Um, I, I and so so one of the one of those things, the ways I use the word pause, is I use it to remind people to take a breath, to take a breath and to check in with themselves. And it's also an acronym, and it has to do with how to rebalance ourselves so that what what happens when we um, when we get distressed is we come from a place of fight or flight rather than from a place of our well-being. And so pause gives us a chance to stop, to check in, and to return to the conversation in a place that is wholehearted or balanced, where we're more self-aware, where, we're mo- where we are not in reaction but we are in responsiveness. I think that's so important, and and I totally agree with that, and I I utilize mindfulness in my work too. So my question is, and and somebody's asking that question right now, so I'm sharing that with you, is, well, when do you know, she's saying, when do you know when to pause? What if I want to pause and my partner doesn't? What if he wants to pause and I don't? How do you you? negotiate that or make it happen for both of you simultaneously? What a great question. And here's the answer, same answer as I gave before. When you're not into a reactive place with each other, make an agreement. And the agreement is sometimes when we're talking about something that's hard, I get upset. So sometimes I need to take a time out. Will you go along with that? And you make that agreement when you're not in distress, right? That's what's really important. Um, for some, so, for instance, when I go back to my, my relationship with my husband, he gets overwhelmed and loses words. And I get, when I get overwhelmed, I gain words. So we both need to pause for different reasons. For me, I need to back off and make space for him. And he needs to back off to get himself rebalanced so he can re-enter the conversation in a way where he sort of gained back his equilibrium. Now, we have an agreement that we have made when we weren't upset, which was if one of us says time out, the other one doesn't take it personally and says, okay, you know, let's come back in an hour. If you take a pause, though, you've got to also have an agreement about how long that's for because sometimes people say, let's take a pause, and they never want to talk about it again. So there's an agreement that says, okay, one, two, or a pause sign, and you back off and take an hour away. But you make that agreement before you're in distress. You know, that's so crucial, and and you've emphasized that, and I'm going to emphasize it again, and that is we need to be able to make those agreements when we're not in, in the heat of an argument and and things are not going well and because it it's just so important and people need to be aware that that's the best time and not to do it when when they're hurting or angry or whatever so I love what you're teaching. I wish we had so much more time, like another hour, because we need so much more. Can you share with our listeners a little bit more about love skills and what you want our listeners to take away 
from not only from your books but also from what you offer a, as a marriage therapist and and family therapist that that can help especially in this time but in all times that can really help us be in a situation a relationship where we're feeling good not only about who we are but also about the other person sure um do you, are you are you asking how to get a hold of me or what I do, what I do I, I teach an online class I okay um so so the so um what do you want I'm people sure to take away I'm sorry about that what do you want people to take away from love skills from your teachings that uh, the, the the initial thing that I said which is that love is a feeling and it comes and it goes but a relationship is built on skills. And the first skill, of course, is knowing ourselves, managing ourselves. A, a, a skilled relationship can weather anything. But when we're unskilled and we're thrown into turbulent times, which happens over and over again in life, we don't know what to do. So we go to our reactive state. And in the reactive state, if we don't know how to manage it, we make all kinds of trouble. We really make messes. But when we know how to pause, when we learn how to breathe in, manage ourselves, then we can respond in, in conscious, mindful ways that can make relationships thrive rather than die. So the pause and really, I mean, it, everything that you're saying is so very important and people need to really take that to heart and, and utilize those skills and, and communicate and ask those three magic words. Yes, yes. So now, please share with our listeners all that you do, how they could get a hold of you, how they can get a hold of the two books, Love Cycles and Love Skills, and and so much more. Well, I I do teach a class. I teach Love Skills. I'm doing it virtually, and I just finished one, and I have another one in two weeks, which is really, it was so great, the first class, a Zoom class, an hour a week for seven weeks. Um, my website is lindaacarroll.com. Instagram is Linda Carroll Official. And I, if people write me, I'm so happy to answer. I, I do coaching. I do Zooming all over the country. I used to fly all over the country and work with couples, um, but that's not happening now. But I find Zoom is pretty remarkable. So they can write me at lindacarroll44 at gmail.com. LindaCarroll44 at gmail.com. And I'm happy to hear from anybody. I have lots of, uh, my books are in any bookstore, Love Skills and Love Cycles. I have lots of articles online. If you just put my name in and Mind Body Green, I work, I, I write for and Little Buddha. I love Tiny Buddha. I love that, yeah. that um, website. So they can find me by just putting my name in Linda Carroll, Love Skills, and it'll come up. So please write me. I love hearing from people what works, what doesn't work, and how to help you work something out when you're stuck. It's my favorite thing to do. <laughs> I love it. Now, if, if people want to sign up for that that class, the Zoom class that you're giving in a couple of weeks, how do they do that? Do they go to your website? They go to my website, which is lindaacarroll.com. And it'll be right on the first page of the website is they can learn about it. Um, and there's a sign-up for it, too. 
Wonderful. Thank you so much, Linda. Before you leave, what do you want our listeners to take away? I mean, there's so much in all of this they need to take away. What's one final comment that you would love to give our listeners about? That the greatest thing that's happened in my field in the in the time that I've been a, a therapist is the realization that we can learn until we take our last breath, that anyone can learn these skills, that we can all, I had, I had a couple come through this class that were so excited about what they learned that they sent their parents and their parents were almost both of them in almost 90 years old. And they did so much, they were inspiring to everybody else, but they learned a way of communicating they had never known in all the years they've been together. We can always learn if we're willing that's the great news about the brain. That's the great news about available in terms of information that we can learn you know, how I to love, love better and love smarter. Yeah. Yes, I love that because we we are lifelong learners and we need to be able to, like you said, continue until we, we're taking our last breath. So thank you so That's much right. for the gift you and for everything that you do and for helping people negotiate their relationships, their lives, no matter what's what they're dealing with, you are a gift. Oh, thank you, and so are you, and I just love talking to you today. So My thanks pleasure. for all the great work you do. Thank you. Let's do it again. Yeah. <laughs> you too. Okay, sounds fun. I'd love to. Let's do it when this is over. We yes, can figure out how to will. get back into the world, because that's going to be a whole other trouble, isn't it, oh, after good. the pandemic? We'll, we'll yes, we will definitely do that. Thank you so much, that Linda Carroll. Take care. That was wonderful. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. So think about everything that Linda Carroll said because it's so important to take that pause. It's so important to really find out where your partner is coming from, to really recognize that relationships go through cycles. They're not perfect. We're not perfect. We're far from perfect. And yet, we care, we can learn the skills that we need to do to be able to negotiate, navigate, and keep our relationship intact. So thank you so much. If you want to get a hold of me, you can go to the short version, docwhite.org. And remember, you have the ability to shift yourself, your relationships, to transform you, even if you're just taking one step at a time, and I encourage you to do so. Have a beautiful day. Take good care of yourself. Take care, good care of the people around you and know that you can have the resilience and the ability to do it and to move on. Have a beautiful day, and thanks for being here. You've been listening to the Power Your Life radio show with host and author Dr. Joanne White. Listen often and spread the word about the Upbeat Show to enrich you and grow your life in the direction you desire. Listen again and again and visit DocWhite.org for more information and find out how Dr. Joanne can benefit you. Thank you for sharing your day with us and stay tuned for more exciting guests and events to come.